Hey everyone, welcome to the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one for 31 years, mom to eight kids ages 16 to 30, and nana to seven. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, and my recent publication, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life. If you haven't checked out either of these books, please go to my website, DorendaWilson.com, and you can find all the information there. I think you'll be glad that you did. You know, one of the most important ways that we prepare our kids for life is by passing our faith on to them. And I talk about that in one of the chapters of my book, The 4-Hour School Day. The chapter is titled, The Finality of Faith, Why Passing on Our Faith to Our Kids Matters. And I want to read you a small portion from that chapter. Until 50 to 60 years ago, it was common for people in general to have a multi-generational perspective. People lived and made decisions based not solely on what they wanted, but on what would benefit future generations. It inspired those pilgrim parents to sail on the Mayflower in hopes of finding a place where they and their descendants could worship freely. It gave courage to the young men who went off to war to defend liberty so that their children and grandchildren would be free. They considered it an honor to give their lives for the next generation. We have been the blessed recipients of their faith and their sacrifice. This perspective didn't come out of the blue or by chance. It's rooted in biblical principles. Consider these words spoken by Moses to the people of Israel as they were about to enter the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the desert. This is Deuteronomy 4, verses 9 and 10. Be careful never to forget what you yourselves have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live, and be sure to pass them on to your children and grandchildren. Never forget the day when you stood before the Lord your God at Mount Sinai, where He told me, Summon the people before me, and I will personally instruct them. Then they will learn to fear me as long as they live, and they will teach their children to fear me also. In this long-awaited and defining moment, what did God want His people to remember to do from that day forward? He not only wanted them to remember all He had done for them, He wanted them to pass those stories on to their children so that their children would fear or reverence Him as well. Their choices affected generations to come. In his letter to the church at Ephesus, the Apostle Paul wrote that we must raise our children with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord, Ephesians 6.4. The wise writer of Proverbs tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 9.10. In other words, all knowledge and wisdom originate with God. So it's absolutely essential that we pass the fear of the Lord, our faith, on to our kids. Again, it's not optional. It's the very foundation from which they will live their lives. This is why it didn't matter so much to my husband and me what our kids decided to do for a living as long as they had an active and personal relationship with God. We wanted them to learn to hear from God for themselves, to recognize His voice, and to walk out what He was directing them to do. In order for them to recognize His voice, they had to know who He is. And Daryl and I had to model biblical principles in our own lives and spend time with other people who did the same. 
Recently, I had a mom send me a question that I wanted to answer in full on this podcast because there were so many pieces to it that I thought um, I'm going to answer her on Instagram, but I'm also going to share this on the podcast because I think it's really, really important. The question she asked, and I just love her heart, she said, first time homeschooling mama here. I have four children from kindergarten to eighth grade. Should I start reading through the Bible from the very beginning with all of them? How do I answer those hard questions they may ask if I don't know the answer? Should we use a study guide to help with that? What apologetics program did you use? She says, sorry for all the questions. I just desperately want to get this right. Don't you love that? I love her heart. She wants to get this right. And you know, um, at the end of the day, That is the most important thing, that we are passing our faith on to our kids. So my answer to her would be this. You certainly could start by reading from the beginning, as those are foundational principles, right? Genesis is the beginning, right? And these are where the foundational principles lie. A biblical worldview um, basic is believing that we have a creator, and that's what Genesis talks about. Having a creator changes everything. For instance, when we look around and see men trying to be women and vice versa, what we are really seeing is a denial of a creator who made mankind in his image and created them as male and female. He created them separate but equal. The result is is incredibly harmful. This this flip-flopping of God's plan is incredibly harmful, not only to the individual, but to society as well. And so as we go back to Genesis 1, verses 26 to 28, I want to read the read it to you because it's so important. Um, these are these again are the foundations for our 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 faith. These are beginning apologetics. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. There are several things in just these few verses. You you look at talking about how God has made mankind in His image. We are made in the image of God. We are image bearers. We reflect the living God. And then to go on to talk about how we'll rule, we rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock stock and the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground, right there, that is your basic stewardship, right? That is your stewardship of the earth, stewardship of what God has given us in this, on this created earth. And then he talks about how he made them male and female. He created them male and female. And then he blessed them. And what did he want them to do? He wanted them to be fruitful and increase in number, 
to fill the earth and subdue it. God wants God's people multiplying. And, and this is interesting because what we see happening with all the transgenderism and the um, just the denial of a creator and his created order, what ends up happening is those people cannot procreate. They cannot multiply like God's people can as they follow his mandates. So I just find it interesting that there is so much blessing that comes with following God's order and his mandates. And so again, Genesis is foundational to our basic apologetics, to our basic framework of Christianity. And anytime we deviate from that, bad things happen. It does not result in good things. It just leads to more and more and more evil. So yes, start in Genesis and move on to Exodus, where we see God's people delivered from Egypt so that they could travel to the promised land, the land that God had promised to give them. God had made a covenant with his people that he would give them this land. And God always keeps his covenant. God always keeps his promises. So when we look in the sky at the rainbow, what do we see? We see a symbol that God always keeps his promises. And these are wonderful ways to tie in what we're reading as we're going through the scriptures and we have a rainstorm and there's a rainbow or we see a rainbow somewhere. We can point it out to to our children and say, remember the rainbow? What does it mean? It means God always keeps his promises. You know, and in spite of the 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 Israelites and how much they complained and how disobedient they were because God is a covenant keeper. He continued to take them to the promised land, albeit in a roundabout way because of their sin, but he, he kept his promise and he brought them into the promised land. Again, these are things that our children need to know. One of the things, uh, one of the, my favorite Bibles is the New Living Translation Illustrated Study Bible. And I will leave a link in the podcast notes uh, to where you can find that. But what I love about it is there are study notes. So as you go through passages down below, there are notes for almost every verse in the Bible. So when you run into those questions that you're not sure about, um, things you don't understand, questions your children ask you, you have answers right there in front of you. So I love the study notes for that. And they're written by men and women who have studied and studied and studied the original manuscripts and have uh, looked at the whole of scripture. And so um, if you don't own that Bible, I would encourage you to get that, especially if it's it's where you want to start with your kids as far as, uh, you know, daily devotions or apologetics, you know, what is more wonderful than simply the Word of God? But having those study notes is important because we need to be teachable. We need to be willing to learn. And the other thing that um, I love about it, like I mentioned before, is that it helps with that question the mom had about how do I answer all the hard questions uh, that they may ask if I don't know the answers. Those study notes will help. And also just there's a lot of other details in that study Bible that can be super helpful as well. But the 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 truth is that 
you know, as parents, sometimes we feel like we have to have all the answers before we can teach our children, and that simply is not true. I believe that the enemy loves to throw that in the way because he loves to put an obstacle to keep us from doing it. And the truth is you don't have to know everything in order to teach your kids. And why is that? It's the same reason that we don't have to know everything in order to homeschool our kids. It's good for our kids to see us being teachable and humble and learning alongside of them. We're teaching them to be lifelong learners. Sometimes I would say something like this to my kids. If they asked a question that I didn't have the answer to, I would say, that is a very good question. Right there, I have validated the child's question and encouraged them to continue to ask questions. I say, that's a very good question. You know, I don't actually know the answer to that, but let's figure this out together, okay? How do you think we could do this? And so I'm asking them first to see if they maybe have any ideas. It gives them ownership of the process. And maybe they've noticed me using my study notes and they'll say, well, mom, sometimes you check the study notes. Maybe we should check those. Or, you know, maybe they'll make some other suggestion. Maybe they'll say, I don't know. And that's okay too. Maybe at that point we can throw out some, some possibilities and, uh, we can get on the internet. Um, one of my favorite websites is gotquestions.com. So far, I have found them to be incredibly accurate to answer thoroughly and biblically all of those crazy questions that kids can come up with and that I actually sometimes come up with. Another thing that I like to do is to say this, let's ask daddy when he gets home. And the reason that this is important is because we want to include dad in the process when at all possible. Because the bottom line is, the biblical standard is that our husbands, if we're married, our husbands are the head of the home. They're the, they are given that role by God. And so we want to encourage them in that headship and in that leadership. And even if you know they don't study the Bible very much, or we feel like they don't study enough to answer the question, that isn't the point. The point is we want to basically respect them by going to them and saying, hey, listen, we know that you're the head of the house and we have a question that we ran into and we would really love to find out the answer. And it's okay if you don't have it right now. If you could just find it for us and explain it to us, you know, tomorrow night at dinner, that would be great. Something along those lines that will encourage our husbands to search out the scriptures. And this could be just a wonderful, wonderful jumping off place for massive conversations um, with the whole family. It, it can be so much fun. And it's a just such a great way to engage everybody in the process. So this mom also asked me, what apologetics program did you use? Well, I can say quite frankly, over most of the years, I didn't use a program. We simply used the Word of God, study notes, researching out ourselves, listening to good teaching. But there are wonderful, wonderful things out there. And some of them I'm actually using right now with our, our youngest son. But let me just explain a little bit what apologetics is, because sometimes we don't really understand the word, and it sounds so big, and it can sound so uh, overwhelming. And um, And I don't want you to be overwhelmed by it, because really, basically what it is um, it is giving a defense or being able to give a defense or give an answer. First Peter 3.15 calls it a reasoned defense. So we're defending the authority of God's word 
the character of God and Christianity as a whole. Um, apologetics would also use the Bible as an, uh, an offensive weapon as well, not just defensive, but an offensive weapon as well. And I mean that in a positive, a positive way. We use it as an offensive weapon against all other worldviews. So we are literally attacking other worldviews with Christian principles, with biblical principles. That's where we want to go with all of this. But honestly, it starts by getting our kids familiar with the Bible. That is your starting point. Um, And that's our responsibility. Yes, they get some things at Sunday school, some things at church, but parents, we need to be diligent about doing this at home as well because we are mandated to do that according to Scripture. So we get our kids familiar with the Bible, and that's why we typically start with Bible stories. So when they're very young, uh, a couple of resources we've liked, well, our grandkids have liked because these weren't here when our kids were little, is the Storybook Bible, which is really awesome. And we also liked Lou Giglio's Indescribable. Uh, That was just a beautifully done book. Um, But what we're wanting to do at this point in the game when they're younger like that, is to create, just start to create networks, just like we're doing with homeschooling. I've I've said this before, learning is more often than not, it is not linear. In other words, you don't do this before you do this, before you do this, before you do this. You do in some ways and in some things. Math is very linear, but most learning is more like creating networks first, So we're exposing, 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 exposing to all the Bible stories and different biblical principles and and Bible history and things like that. And then eventually, as they get older and their brain develops more, um, those, those networks begin to connect. The dots start to connect and we can go more deeply into uh, deeper conversations about apologetics, about the Bible. Um, so it's it's a process and we start, but it starts with the basics. One of the things that we used when our children were all young is called the shorter the children's shorter catechism. And it's basically simple questions with answers that we worked on memorizing. They're questions like, who made you? God. What else did God make? God made all things. So I'm going to include the link to the PDF for this so you all can go and print that up and go over that with your kids if you want to. There is a version of it somewhere online where the scriptures are included. If I remember, I will try to include that one. Otherwise, you'll just get the straightforward one. And you can look up, um, you can look for the one that has the, the scripture references, but I'll try to remember to use that one. Now, uh, often when we're teaching, when we're doing, uh, you know, Bible or devotional time at a, you know, with multi-level kids, I think that what I've suggested would would still work, um, but just keep the older ones a bit longer to go a little bit deeper. You can give your little ones coloring pages if you want to come up with some things like that, little activities for them to do that that relate to it. I personally did not have the time for that. I, I was some people love that, they enjoy it, and they like planning for that. I was not one of those people. 
so one resource that I really, really love, we didn't use it because Heidi is one of my good friends. We were raising kids at the same time. So this wasn't available when her kids, when my kids were young, because uh, it, it just wasn't there. But Heidi and her family developed a really great multi-level uh, family devotional called Firmly Planted Family Devotions. And it's one of the few multi-level devotions for families. I love it because it includes activities that are age-appropriate and questions that are age-appropriate for the different levels. So I will include a link for that as well. Now, what I'm using right now with our son, who's 16, um, he has a ADHD, so one of the things that we have to always bear in mind, and especially with boys, for some reason, simplicity is key. Just giving them sort of like the main meat and then letting them ferret out more as they're interested. And uh, that's how my boys have tended to like things. Um, but, you know, it's it's entirely up to you how you want to do it with your kids. Sometimes they start out simple and then they just, they automatically start to go deeper because it's interesting to them. But what we don't want to do is overwhelm them too soon. So right now what I'm doing with him is called the New Answers DVD set. And this is from Answers in Genesis. And it goes through like about a dozen questions in each DVD. For instance, was there death before Adam sinned? And it includes a, a little study guide that for, for each question, now each question is answered in four to five minutes. So the way the study guide works is it starts with two questions that they need to answer before they view the DVD. And then there are about four to five questions after viewing the DVD because it helps them see how maybe their thinking was not right or was not complete before they heard the truth in the DVD. So it's very, very good. And so he he answers this in a written form in complete sentences. And that is part of his writing for the day. So it's a great way to streamline writing and Bible together. Um, but he's really enjoying them, finding them very interesting. Some of the other questions, where was the Garden of Eden located? Doesn't the Bible support slavery? What's the best argument for the existence of God? What about cloning and stem cells? Did Bible authors believe in a literal Genesis? Did life come from outer space? And on and on and on. So that has been a great um, series for us as well. The next thing I'm going to be moving into is something that's actually for 8 to 12-year-olds, but because it's so incredibly basic and foundational and it's only available right now in this particular age group, um, we're going to go ahead and use it. It's called um, Foundation by Comparative Foundation Comparative Worldview Curriculum. And this is done by Elizabeth Urbanowitz, who I am going to have on the podcast here fairly soon. She spent 10 years teaching elementary students at a Christian school, and during that time, she uncovered the need to prepare students at an early age to recognize, evaluate, and reject the hollow and deceptive philosophies that they encounter in our culture. And so she does this on just such such a great foundational level. And so, for instance, if you go through, I'll just read a little bit from the the pre-assessment. There's a pre-assessment at the very beginning to kind of show where our kids are in what they know and don't know. 
The first question is, what is truth? And it gives you four choices. Truth is what I believe is real. Truth is what my parents and teachers say is real. Truth is what is real. Truth is what science tells us is real. So you get the idea. We're starting at the very foundation of what is truth. And so it comes with an instructor guide, activities, um, all kinds of um, just ways to really reinforce the lesson. So I'll include the um, the links for that in the Answers in Genesis DVD series as well. Like I mentioned before, I think the important thing is that we're careful not to over our, overwhelm our kids with information and keep that time with them positive. The enemy often wants to come in and get a foothold. He'll do anything to distract, distort, or keep us from doing this. So stay aware, stay alert, um, keep things simple, leave room for questions. Remember that kids aren't always going to appreciate what you're doing in the moment, but remember that God calls us to obedience in this. It doesn't matter if our kids like it or don't like it. We want to make it as likable and palatable as possible. But at the end of the day, we're called to obey God. And sometimes I just literally would say that to my kids. You know, I know you want to be doing something else, but God says that the, this word right here, this isn't, these aren't just words. These are your life. These are important. So we, we, we live up to the, the, call to obey God in this area, and we leave the results up to Him. And I would encourage you also to pray. Just whisper a little prayer before you gather together, and even as you gather with your children, pray and invite the Holy Spirit. Pray for distractions to not be there. Pray that the children would hear and understand and absorb and really get to know their God during this time, because what you're doing is planting seeds. You're watering. You're fertilizing. But God is the one who makes the seeds grow. So I hope there were some things that resonated with you. Um, You know, I just would encourage you to ask God for wisdom as to what is going to work best in this season. I've only shared a few things. There are lots and lots of options out there. and, And maybe you're already doing something that's working or what you're doing would work a little better if you tweaked it a little bit. I say if it's not broken, don't fix it, but ask God for wisdom as to what would be best in this season. It's not as important that you choose or do all of this perfectly, although it does need to be biblically accurate. The most important thing is that it's biblically accurate, of course, but that you do it consistently, as consistently as possible. Now, really quickly, I want to tell you a funny story. Um, You know, our kids you know, they give us our feedback as adults. And when I talk about devotion time and reading the Bible, they tell me, mom, we read the Bible every single night. And you know, what's really funny is we didn't, we would fall off the wagon and sometimes it would be days or even weeks. And I would realize, oh my goodness, we have fallen off the wagon. We are not reading together. We need to get back to that. And we would, my husband and I would say, okay, let's do this. We, we get, we'd get back on the wagon again. And you know what? That's what they saw. They saw us going back to it over and over and over again. So parents do not give up. Our kids need to see us making this a priority. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it breathes life into us. And God, that it breathes life into our children, that it does not come back void. 
Lord, we ask that you would give us wisdom in training our children in the nurture and admonition of you. God, help us to give them a solid biblical foundation. Show us how to teach them apologetics. And God, we thank you that we get to learn right alongside of them. Lord, we live in a culture that is in desperate need of the truth. And we and our children can be the ones to bring that to this culture. Lord, may we not forget our calling as parents to raise up these children to fear you above above man and to walk in obedience to you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.